All right, welcome back to Get Inspired and Innovate. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about AR and VR in the classroom. Does it really belong there? Are they just play toys? Uh, you know, or, or is it really something that can help our students be future ready? Uh, Stephanie, uh, where are you seeing uh, AR and VR coming in in your class? So in our district, we have 14 buildings. Um, the last three years, um, we had like five kits for the entire school district, which was kind of difficult on teachers. They had to go to district office, pick up the big kit, and use their muscles to wheel them to their classroom and drive them to the school too. So it was kind of a pain. Um, so I kind of went to my boss and we had a conversation about it. And this last year, we bought a kit for every single one of our schools. So every single one of our buildings has a VR goggle and a iPod, and it is able to connect um, with Google Expeditions. We can use Pear Deck and use like 360 Cities with it. There's different things that we can do with it. And we've been really focused on this in Pickerington Local School District, um, taking VR and actually closing that achievement gap. A lot of our students were struggling with writing because they had to write about the ocean, but they've never been there. And so if you've never been to the ocean, your writing is gonna be very broad and not very detailed, where we took the students to the ocean and their writing grew by a couple of grade levels just because of the words that they were using after seeing the actual locations of these different places. Um, we've also used this with special ed students um, I took a group of students, they were learning about just America, and so we took them to all the landmarks, and they were just so in awe with all the different places, because a lot of our students haven't left Pickerington. They kind of stay in Pickerington, they don't travel outside of um, Pickerington, even like in Ohio, a lot of them haven't been to like Cedar Point on a roller coaster. So we have a lesson in sixth grade science that's on roller coaster and the different energies. And so we take students on a roller coaster so they can experience the different energy levels because we can't take them in, pers um, in person because of all the different laws and the liability in today's world. So we are limited, but with VR, we can take them anywhere in this entire world. And it's really helped students close that achievement gap in that experience gap that we're seeing that a lot of these students have, where if we just take them real quick for five minutes to a different location every day as a bell ringer, it could really help them and close that gap, especially with reading comprehension. A lot of students struggle with reading comprehension because they can't visualize the text because they don't have that background knowledge in order to understand what they're reading. Awesome. You know, funny you said, uh, you know, see the ocean. I can recall the first time that I saw the Pacific Ocean. It was in Sydney, Australia, and I was on some nature hike with this crazy <laughs> person that I had met for the first time and we got lost at the ocean. Stephanie, you know how we did that? Um, we just followed the trail. Just followed the trail. <laughs> we anyway. didn't have VR goggles, so that's why we got lost. There so you if go. If we would have used virtual reality to help us, we would not have gotten lost. We would have had our little guide. We would have been perfectly safe. <laughs> exactly. And you know, and, and, and in Putnam County, Tennessee, where uh, I'm the instructional technology specialist, we kind of started with VR and AR with Google Expeditions. Google Expeditions came out. Uh, you know, we had kids that were going on field trips. They were looking at uh, places they had never seen before. But then also culturally, they were looking at different cultures from years ago. Uh, one thing that I love is the Alamo Project. If you haven't looked at the Alamo Project, 
Uh, that's a really great uh, VR experience for your students. Uh, also working with Merge Cubes. Um, you know, when Merge Cubes first came out, nobody really knew what they were for and how to use them. Uh, Walmart ran them on special for a dollar for a while because they couldn't get rid of them. I got a couple then, started playing with them, and lo and behold, you know, all this Merge Cube content started coming out. And I know they got a lot more that's coming out. I saw this year at FETC also. But we've got an expert with us today in the field. Uh, I'm, I'm going to take up or not take up any more of his time. We've got Dr. Micah Shippey with us. Uh, he is a middle school social studies teacher. He's a technology trainer, uh, an author, and he's going to talk to us today about his new book, The Instructional Designer. He was a college professor, Google Certified Innovator. He's a dad of three kids, and he is the lead Google Earth education expert, and he's working on being a national geo-certified uh, educator, and he's also going to be my mentor for the next year, so bless his heart. Uh, hopefully, that goes okay with him. So, Micah, enlighten us today. Uh, just give us all your VR, your AR, where, where it's going, what's happening, and tell us about your book. Yeah, right on. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, as an eighth grade teacher, I've constantly looked after those aha moments and light bulb moments. I guess every teacher really does. And, you know, a lot of those are things that happen with some novelty. So I've played with some gaming in the classroom, board games, video games. You know, I've played with AR, VR, and and when I see those light bulbs go off, I get excited and I want more. I think that's pretty natural for a lot of us to see kids get excited about our content. But the, the next step of that, and perhaps the most important step, is how do we increase learning and make for deeper learning through those experiences? We have to, we're at the stage now with these emerging technologies that we have to be mature professionals about using them purposefully. So I've been playing with um, some of these um, tools in a, in a more deeper way. Uh, we wrote a grant in my school recently for uh, Oculus Go's. So the Oculus Go is about a $300 um, device that does not require a phone put into it. So I know a lot of people look at Google Cardboard like, well, it's only 10 bucks or whatever. Uh, they're forgetting you're putting a five or $600 device inside of that car cardboard. So when Oculus came out with that, I got pretty excited about it. We had 17 of them. Um, we've done a few things with them. The science teacher I work with did a, a biomes project on uh, the food chains and life cycles with her uh, science students. Uh, they created on their Chromebooks in CoSpaces and then downloaded the CoSpaces app on the Oculus and they were able to walk inside of their experiences, which I think was really powerful. Uh, in my classes as a social studies teacher, I teach late American history. Um, I wanted my kids to uh, experienced something in a different way. They had been reading um, the Diary of Anne Frank in their ELA classes. And um, I know that there's an Oculus app for it. So I downloaded the app on the devices and we spent um, some time in my, all five of my classes going through the secret annex from the Anne Frank story. Uh, they, were, they were like, it was just so powerful. You know, I knew I, I knew I would get that they would love it when I first did it with some colleagues who as adults like me had read the Diary of Anne Frank years ago, we're going through it and we're just awestruck by this experience and um, how the perception of the actual house in our minds was very different than the actual place. So when I took my students through this journey, it was a 20 minute long VR experience, which I think is a little long, um, but they were just super engaged the whole time. I had them reflect a little bit about it. I blogged a little bit. Um, they just talked about uh, how the book came alive you know, the, the, the content of the pages are leaping off the pages now. And as they go back to the book, they have a, a more empathetic understanding of 
the Anne Frank account. And I, I just thought that was incredibly powerful. Uh, that was just this spring. So I'm excited to, to dive a little deeper next year um, with my students throughout the course of the year with more of those experiences. But again, that's, that's the VR world that I've been playing with. And you know, Mike, you, you, you kind of said it there. Uh, I, I've always been of the opinion that until we can engage students, we can't truly teach them. And, and there are so many different things going on today, you know, with their phones and TV, social media, all this. They're engaged in so many different things. Then we bring them into a classroom. And a lot of times in a classroom, they sit down and they listen for 60 minutes to a teacher talk. But what you're talking about here is you're taking them into you know, an experience to where they're engaged into it, they can see it. And as you said, it'll look totally different than what you thought it was. So, but yeah, when you it, see it and yeah. feel it, you know, it's, it's there. It really requires a, a pedagogy shift that we have to be prepared for. You know, I, I will admit in my 19 years of teaching, there might've been one or two videos that was recommended by a colleague that I may not have watched ahead of time, but I played it in my classroom. Of course, I don't recommend that to any of your listeners. That's not professional. It was in my younger days, but I will admit to have doing that. You know, with VR, I, I can't do that. You know, when I, when I use Google Expeditions, I'm in control. I lead them. I direct them. With Expeditions VR, I say, look at this. They have an arrow. It's good. I love it. Powerful experience. Expeditions AR, I'm controlling what pops off the targets. It's very clear. Uh, by the way, I'm doing a, an, a Google Expeditions intro um, at ISTE, so I'll be doing that as well. We can talk about that later in case I forget. Um, but the, uh, the Oculus requires that I have a more intimate knowledge of the experience because the mirroring is not the same. You know, with my 17 students, we, uh, in our grant, we're able to get one iPad, and with that one iPad, I can call up one device at a time. So we, we grabbed some old Hello My Name Is stickers and pasted them on the, the visors, and we recorded the serial number of some of the digits that are unique. So I can say to a student, you know, hey, Mary, um, I need to see what's on your device. So I click request, she has to allow it. So part of the pedagogy shift is that I need to uh, establish classroom protocols. Like when I ask you to see what's on your device, you need to show me or else, you know, we're gonna have to find a different way for you to learn the content. Uh, but the other side of it is I need to know more intimately what their experience is. So in the Anne Frank account, if a student says to me, you know, Dr. Shippey, I, I don't know what to do. I'm looking at a wall with some pictures on it. I don't know how to advance to the next page of the story. So I have to know a little bit about it. Not great detail, but I have to know a little bit more than I would by clicking play on the VCR a million years ago. So that, that's a good requirement. That's a good pedagogy shift, but it's necessary. I have to take that, that step. So, so, Micah, tell us a little bit uh, about your book. Uh, what was the inspiration for your book? Um, you, you know, I, I'm sitting here and I'm looking uh, Wonderlust EDU, and I, I'm kind of wondering, you know, it's got me thinking, you know, what, what, what's going on here? Yeah, so, I mean, in my heart of hearts, I'm an instructional designer. So I talk a lot about AR and VR, but they're tools. So I'm all about tools and, you know, the adoption of those tools. So in this book, I... I early on established language that I'm very purposeful with, language like adopt versus integrate. I'm a very big fan of using the word adopt. I think it has a sense of ownership that, that is lost with the word integrate. So I talked about adopting emergent technologies. Um, I, I really, the book really is about innovation. 
I use technology as the example throughout the book because it's tangible, but it could be a new math program. Innovation's anything new, right? So um, I want people to understand, you know, first of all, when you're about to adopt something new, who are you in this? Are you a, a laggard? Are you an innovator? You know, are you an early adopter? What does that mean? And how do you, how do you start a movement? You know, one of my favorite TED Talks is a three minute long TED Talk by a guy named Sievers who does the first follower where he has this dancing guy at a, a fish concert or something and he looks kind of silly and they call that guy your, your, your out there person, you know, your nutcase, if you will. And the next guy to join him, the next person to join this dancer and dance with him, that's your first follower. And that first follower legitimizes the cause, that legitimizes the change, and other people start to join. So when we talk about adopting emergent technologies in the book, I reference that story, but also dive deeper and talk about you know, what it is to be an innovator, because you're kind of the one who's way out there, and how you need early adopters to be with you, because those are the ones who people perceive as having an attainable skill set. So that's a big part of the book. I also talk about, you know, systematically, uh, how do we approach change within our schools, within our, our school districts, within our school boards? What, how do we think about change? How do we know when we've arrived? I've worked with a lot of schools that, you know, they want to measure whether or not they've arrived at X, whatever X is, have we made it there? Are we there? And, you know, my, st my statement is you'll never know because if you've arrived, you're doing it wrong. You know, it's, it's iteration, it's constant change. So if we need to arrive at anything, it's the state of mind that I call innovativeness, the, the state that we're just in a constant change. So this particular book, Wanderlust, is the journey, the love of the journey of the teacher, looking at the things, the bumps in the road. I talk about heartbreak, I talk about joy, I talk about your environment, your uh, skills, your knowledge. You know, things that make us who we are, uh, it should be a reminder to why we got into the profession, to establish the heart of it all, and why we are willing to invest in change as it comes. So changing the pedagogy, you kind of mentioned this earlier, I think is really huge for teachers and can be kind of difficult for them to change. So what's some advice you have for that? I loved how you said, like, you kind of have to set up expectations. And um, a lot of my teachers, like, they're like, oh, I can't do that activity because it's going to take so long. Like adding VR to your lesson, the first time you do it, it might take longer than the second time because you really do have to set up those expectations with your students. And I think we forget that sometimes and we have to make time for that. So what kind of advice would you have for teachers? Well, I mean, there's, there's a couple of ways that I approach it. I also keynote on the topic as well. You know, I, I talk about... Um, how we approach change and how this, this is not a new thing. I think it's important to take a deep breath. You know, the, the pencil, using a pencil in a public school took place a hundred years after the modern pencil was formalized. A hundred years. And we all want the latest Oculus Quest in our classrooms tomorrow. So we got to take a deep breath. We got to think about it, right? So when pencils were introduced, you know, teachers were worried about what are the kids going to write when I give it to them? How am I going to monitor it? How am I going to keep them sharp? It's the same thing with a Chromebook. What are they going to do when I give it to them? How am I going to monitor it? How am I going to keep it powered? It's the same thing with Oculus. It's the same thing with every VR and AR headset. How are they going to approach it? And how am I going to control it and all that kind of thing? So though, though, that's nothing new under the sun. And you know that's the every teacher story of pedagogy that we just have to accept. We've all been through this. This is not new. But time is the biggest thing. You're absolutely right. Um, I'm a paperless teacher. This is year two of paperless. Um, but I was not paperless for 17 years. 
Um, I became paperless when I saw tools that were more efficient than my pen and paper grading, for example. Um, I now can grade a stack of papers digitally in Google Classroom faster than I could with a pen in my hand. So that's a good reason to shift because of time. I've also, I share with people, I've sa saved 42 hours a year of standing at the photocopier. And that doesn't include paper jams. So I've calculated <laughs> when I hit start, papers that come out, 42 hours. That, that I'm not making that up. That's a conservative number of every single school year for me to invest. But when it comes down to like, that's on me though, right? So when it comes down to my classroom, you know, workflow solutions with students. You know, last year I, I spent in 2000, I guess that would be 18, 19, or 17, 18 school year. I spent September and October, a lot of class time about workflows, how to split your screen, how to adjust your font size, you know, how to do this, how to do that, how to set up a Google slide deck, how to share it back with me. But by the end of the school year, I was ahead. So, I mean, yes, it is a, it's a leap of faith, but for one thing, it's for the betterment of the students, which is the whole reason I'm in, my, in this career of service, right? Uh, but second, it, it'll pay off, it's gonna be okay. You just got to kind of take that first step and dive in. And it's mm -hmm. the same thing with AR and VR. I mean, it's aha moments for kids. Every teacher wants aha moments for kids. Once you try it once or twice, you'll see pretty quick that the level of engagement just skyrockets. Yeah, I agree. I th definitely think teachers need to make time that first time. Give it just a couple extra minutes. And then the next time it's going to run smoother because you set up those expectations and the procedures for students to know what the expectation is. I guinea pig kids. I, I have kids who I, um, I, they get done with the test early and I say, go ahead and try that out and let me know how it went. And then I talk to the kid individually. And when I do that, I see, all right, when I go full bore, these are the skill, these are the protocols I have to establish. Mm -hmm. And those students can help you. Yeah. They can oh, yeah. be your tech gurus in the class that really help the other students. And then they have ownership over their learning because they're like, oh, I know how to do this already. Yep. You got it. You know, Mike, and you was talking about your feedback. Not only are you saving time, but your feedback's better and your students are getting their feedback real time. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not having to wait till the next day. So they can get it when they're sitting at home. They're getting it right there. So your workflow altogether is better. There's no lost papers or I turned that into the tray and it got lost. Well, you did it or you didn't. You know, it's either there or it's not. So. You know, uh, one other thing too, and I know we need to move on, but uh, you know, I, I've worked with a company called Education Elements and, and we're going through a personalized learning shift right now uh, in Putnam County where I work and I'm, I'm helping to lead that. Sometimes leading teachers down a path that they don't necessarily know where they're going can be scary too. Uh, it sounds like that you've been, uh, you've been in charge of some of that lead uh, at, in your school district there too and working with others. What advice do you have to people that are that are leading and taking people not necessarily where they're comfortable or where they know they're going to end up? Yeah, I, I haven't done it as much in my school as I have with other schools. Um, maybe you've heard the proverb about a prophet in his own country. Well, I, I live that dream. So um, in other places like uh, in Yellowknife, Canada, which is pretty far away from me in Syracuse, uh, I've worked with a student team, a teacher team, and an administrative team. And with the administrative team, we talked a lot about how to help move people along. So how do you help people in particular with emergent technologies and encourage them strongly that this is the way to go? You know, we looked at the ISTE standards for teachers and use though I encourage them strongly to use them not necessarily as assessment tools for teachers, 
but as conversation points. Like, are you doing these things? Can we do more of these things? And, and those are established. And when you have something that's established, you know, it, it has some kind of, we have some trust in it where a, a teacher's not thinking that my administrators are making stuff up or that it's shared decision-making. They're making it and sharing it with me. You know, none of us really like that too much in the classroom as teachers. We like to feel like we have an investment in, in the conversation. So uh, coming from, again, a, a, an organization like ISTE for the standards is great, but also uh, working with teachers to build a grassroots movement, I think is powerful. I strongly encourage um, teacher leadership. I talk a lot about that early adopter, find the teachers who have social commodity that other teachers will listen to and focus on them. And then the news will spread out. If, if you go right to your laggard who doesn't want to do anything and that's the person you focus on, you're not going to have as much success as if you enrich those that are ready. We're, we're going to move on to the, the next section of our podcast. Uh, this is one of our favorite sections, uh, our favorite memes or quotes. Uh, this week, my meme that, that I chose uh, well, goes back to when I was a kid. I was constantly getting in trouble as a kid because I was sitting too close to the TV, and, and they kept telling me that it was going to damage my eyes. Uh, so now th this little meme here has got a guy, 2017, that says he's got a VR headset on. It says 1997, don't sit too close to the TV, you'll damage your eyes. 2017, of course, we've got uh, we've got a VR headset on, and that screen is right there in our eyes the whole time. So uh, if it's going to damage your eyes, I'm, I'm going to have damaged eyes, I'm sure. <laughs> well, Michael, what have you got? Uh, I, that reminds me of the one that were, it said, like, don't ride in cars with strangers, and then we're in Uber and Lyft all of a sudden. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess I, I, um, the, the quote I like that I've been resonating on lately is a, is a Bruce Lee quote of all people. He says to be a practical dreamer backed by action. And I, I you know, as a kid, I always wanted to be an Imagineer for Disney. I remember watching Walt Disney interview his, you know, roller coaster designers and theme park designers, just thinking about how these people were paid to be creatives. And, and even at age six or seven, I was like, that's what I want to do. So you know, I, I, I like to think of myself as a dreamer, and, and, it, and it goes to also the things that I explore with emerging technologies. I explore the geekiest stuff out there, but I also am practical, and I recognize I, that might be awesome, but I can't have that right now. So I want to watch it for a while until the cost comes down. So my action is always on what's going to be meaningful for my students, and my dreams are all about what's going to be meaningful for them in the future. Um, so my meme is Grumpy Cat, of course. Uh, so I think that's two weeks in a row. I love Grumpy Cat. And it said, I had a dream once and it was awful. <laughs> um, I think so often we let reality kind of hit us hard when we dream and we kind of go to people with our dreams because they don't know how to provide maybe the correct feedback or we take things too personal. And so I think we really need to think about how we give feedback to others and their dreams. And it really hit me with my Google project. Like I was really passionate about my Google project and not everybody was when I came back. Um, just because they don't have the same passions as me or they don't see that as an issue in education like I do. Um, so I think it's really important to know I've been processing this dream for months, years, and these other people, they're just hearing you share your dream with them. And so their feedback to you is gonna be a lot different than what you're expecting because they're not used to 
um, what's about to come out of your mouth because you've been thinking about this process in different ways to organize your ideas for months. And they're hearing this, hit it, it's kind of like a train hitting them right away. <laughs> um, so they need time to process it just as much as you have time to dream and create this idea. And just give people that yes and attitude when they are giving, talking about their dream and just really listen to them because it might be something that they're passionate about. So dreams are not awful, it's just how you present it and just remember people do need time to process. <laughs> So All right, good. then on to our next section, something I learned this week that could be innovative for tomorrow. Micah, share something with us, enlighten us. Um, what did I learn? Oh, so this week, um, I've, I've been playing around with eSports. Um, I'm very interested in how we can help students who are not athletes get involved in, the, in sports because as a former coach, and I actually ran a ski school for about three years, believe it or not, um, I would hire uh, high school kids. And the ones who were athletes uh, for team sports understood work in a different way. And so I'm thinking, well, for future ready, you know, kids who can have the opportunity to be involved in sports that normally wouldn't be, esports might be that a filler for that gap. So today I was playing with Overwatch, trying to figure out how the game works. So I've never played it, but I see collaboration on it. You know, I'm a big fan of the Leroy Jenkins clip from World of Warcraft. I use it in my keynote. It's my absolute favorite. Favorite. If you haven't seen it, it's on my YouTube channel. But anyhow, um, Overwatch, I was watching it, showed it to my students. I'm like, how many of you have played Overwatch? They raised their hand. And I'm like, look, guys, I don't understand what's going on. Help me out. So I played this 30-second clip, and the kids helped me to understand that the Overwatch teams were protecting a product, and they were trying to – you know, beat the other team by a defensive action. So how does that relate to everybody else? I have no idea, but I just thought it was the coolest thing. There you go. And I, I played it once, and I was the big gorilla, and I was really slow, and I got frustrated and just quit. So, you know, I guess I'm a quitter. Uh, my innovating idea for tomorrow is 360 Cities. Um, this is a really cool website if you have not seen it. It is, if you don't have all the VR equipment, because I know that can kind of be a barrier for some people that don't have VR kits because of funding. Um, so students can just go to this website on your projector. If you only have one computer, they can go onto this website um, on their own computer and they can explore different places in the world. And we use it a lot with like bell ringers, like quickly just look at this place and students can go to multiple places throughout the year just by putting this link into Google Classroom. Um, another VR resource is the Sweet Talk by Kim Matina. She just did an episode and it was all about VR and some of the questions that the students were asked were really good, just like, how do you, um, what similarities and differences do you see in this place compared to where you live, you know? What do you see? What would you hear? What kind of day is it? Thinking about different questions and the questioning can really help students with VR. And then my school district just started a podcast. Um, it's Tech Connect EDU, if you're interested in hearing more from me and my school district. And then ISTE's coming up, so I wanted to share some tips. Um, these are kind of my top tips. Plan ahead, make sure you schedule a lunch. Last year I did not schedule a lunch and I was starving by dinner time. Um, make sure you talk to everyone and anybody. Um, if you're shy, just talk to people because the people that you meet there are amazing. Make sure you view the poster sessions. 
a lot of people think that you just go to sessions where you kind of sit and get where the poster sessions you can really get a lot out of even in the vendor hall there's sessions going on which last year was my first ISTE so I didn't realize how many sessions happened in the vendor hall and I learned a lot in the vendor hall just from different people that did present make sure you get a map and explore beforehand wear comfortable shoes and get to sessions early because they do fill up um, last year, I did not realize they filled up and I was not allowed in certain sessions and I was very disappointed because I had my whole schedule mapped out. So I learned very quickly, you might have to skip a session beforehand in order to get to the next session that you really want to attend. So just talk to the people in line while you're waiting and you'll get a lot of out of that. And then I've started a collaborative note sheet. So make sure you're sharing any resources, notes from ISTE and those will be in the show notes, that link. And then bring labels for the vendor hall. Do not write your name down. Make sure you print out labels with your name and information for your school district. And that way you're not handwriting a hundred and some different um, applications for vendors. So those are just some things that I have for ISTE. All right. And mine is, first off, I have learned that my mentor is a superstar. Uh, I, I saw somewhere in here that he is on Amazon. His book is uh, a bestseller on Amazon. Um, and then last, uh, two, two apps that I use, and you can do these on your phone or on a tablet or something like that, HP Reveal. Uh, that one's been out for a while. It used to be called Erasma or something like that. But uh, we do those for our uh, parents and students uh, so when they come into a school building, they can use one of our iPod touches or a, a Chrome tablet or something like that and scan a picture and it will play uh, different videos of different things going on in the room. And, and we're starting to make them of each teacher now. So uh, they can go up to the teacher's door, scan the picture of the teacher, and then it will play a video about that teacher, the teacher talking about their class, things like that. Uh, and the second one is called Wallamy. Wallamy, I use this for scavenger hunts in, in the school. So um, you can have pictures that are posted up around your room, around the school, things like that. Students can go up and scan those and there's secret messages you can put inside of those. So I'll have them do scavenger hunts through the school where they're going to different wallamies, scanning them. It gives them a clue and they have to figure out the next place to go. So the last thing that we want to talk about today is uh, my, uh, my partners here, they are very busy at ISTE. Uh, I want to give them the opportunity to tell you where they're going to be, and then I'll tell you where I'm going to be. So, uh, Micah, can you tell us uh, where you're going to be at, at at ISTE so everybody can come by, maybe uh, get you to autograph their book, if they'll bring one that they bought on Amazon? Yes, sure. Um, so I'm going to be Sunday um, afternoon from 1130 to 1230. I'm giving a lecture in room 103 called Onward EDU, and it's named after the last chapter of my book. Um, I'll also be raffling off copies of my book as well. Um, the um, topic is future of work and how that relates to school. Um, on Monday, I'm doing an Ignite, um, 10.30 to 11.30 window um, on the stage. Um, then at two o'clock, I'm at a, a signing booth for Merge VR. So Merge VR from 2 to 2.30, if you bring a copy of Wanderlust CDU that you purchased or otherwise got, bring that with you to the Merge VR booth from 2 to 2.30 on Monday, and they'll give you a free Merge queue. So I thought that was kind of cool of them. Um, then from 5 to 5.30, I'm doing my Ready 
uh, Learner One Intro to AR and VR with Google Expeditions at the Google Teaching Theater. Um, the Google Teaching Theater, just for the listeners, um, you can no longer sign up ahead of time or uh, online. So they have like this, no, hang on. They are allowing online signups now. Um, they're trying to help people save time. So there's a bit.ly you can visit. It's bit.ly lowercase Google, uppercase ISTE 19. And that's a place that you can register for those sessions so that you can get in. Uh, Tuesday, I'm doing a book, uh, book signing with ViewSonic from 1045 to 1115 and presenting on building your own app with Google Slides. And then um, again with ViewSonic from 1215 to 1245, I'm doing three tips for crushing your next research paper. Uh, finally, um, for the vendor hall, I'm in the EdTech team teaching theater. I'm doing strategies for school change and some book signings. Uh, a little later on that evening, I don't have the time in front of me, I'm working with the Google Earth education team uh, presenting on Google Earth. And then I'm flying home to teach at the last day of school on Wednesday. Oh gosh, <laughs> that is a busy schedule. Um, and then I will be at ISTE too. So on 6.23, I will be um, virtual reality on a poster session and we're gonna be talking about how to close that instructional gap. Um, at 1.30 to 2.30, I'm gonna be on an EdTech coaches panel. So hopefully answering all your questions around coaching, hopefully providing answers, I don't know. Um, and then the next day on the 24th, I am going to be with a bunch of different coaches. It's going to be a fun session. There's going to be prizes. There's going to be swag. And we're going to be doing a session on So You Think You Can Coach, EdTech Coaches Slam. And we're going to be slamming our best tools, tips, and tricks. And that's going to be a fast-paced session with, like, I think I get three to four minutes um, to talk about a different tool. And then on that same day, I'm going to be an ed tech evaluation. So we're going to be talking about our evaluation process. Um, we really have a process that kind of started in February, and it just ended in May. So talking about that process on how we go through different websites to ensure our budget is aligned to purchase those different um, programs and to make sure it's research-based. And then on 625, I will be helping at the Google Playground, I'm gonna be kind of a desk and I'm gonna be talking about helping that student be successful. So this is kind of about my Google Innovator project and different ways that we can help students with disabilities, I mean, any student be successful in the classroom. All right, and I'm actually there a day early. So Saturday I have a pre-show session. Uh, it's gonna be at the Marriott Hotel, uh, Franklin 34. Uh, everyday apps and extensions to elevate your classroom. That's going to be from 4 to 5.30. That's in Franklin 3-4 at the Marriott. Uh, 6.23 on Sunday, increase student engagement with interactive design. Uh, that's from 1 to 2. And uh, I believe we've got about 100 people already pre-registered for that. So uh, you may want to go ahead and, and get in for that. And then uh, also on, on 6.23 on Sunday through uh, Wednesday, I will be working at the ViewSonic booth and the Google booth uh, for that. So I'm not quite as busy as you guys, but uh, I'm going to say that we're all going to be tired by the time we get done at, at ISTE. I'm already tired just planning for it. <laughs> I totally hear you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, Micah, could you share with how people can communicate with you after the podcast? Sure. Uh, my website has a contact form. It's micahshippy.com. Um, my Twitter handle is at Micah Shippey. Uh, my name is M-I-C-A-H-S-H-I-P-P-E-E. -E. 
the misspelling of my name is my burden to bear. All right, so if you're like me when I listen to podcasts, I am usually either walking, exercising, mowing the grass, doing something else, multitasking, and don't have time to get all of those resources that I need time to look back at them. Our show notes will be on our website at getinspiredandinnovate.com. Make sure you check it out. And if you have any questions or need any help, you can go to the About page and you can find myself and Lance there. And feel free to reach out to us. Um, and we look forward to our next podcast. Mm -hmm.